0: Hello, hello, and welcome. This is The Real Football Podcast. I am your host, Lenny, a.k.a. Kratos, and let's get into it. On today's episode, it is the international break, the worst part of the season. In the first four months of the season, I believe there's a, around about three or four international breaks. Every four or so weeks, there's an international break, and I can't stand it. I'm not a huge fan of international football. In between the season because it's never as high stakes or as pressured as a Euros, a World Cup, an AFCON, uh Copa America. It's it's just never as good. However, it's the perfect time to look back on last week's uh, football in Europe in the domestic leagues to get a little bit of a recap of where we are in the domestic leagues league so far, see how the teams that we saw at the beginning of the season and said hey these guys are going to kill it uh they're going to run away with it these guys are terrible so on and so forth the narratives change as the season develops and let's get into it first things first I would like to take it to Spain, España, La Liga. It's not football, it's La Liga. (laughs) Probably the least watchable of the top four leagues, in my opinion. I think La Liga is, it's just rife with gamesmanship and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes it is a bit of a chore to watch, especially, say, Sevilla versus uh, uh, Atleti or something like that. It's tough for me to watch, especially if there's a Premier League game going on, if there's a big Serie A game, sometimes even a Bundesliga game. It's tough to watch. However, there are two gargantuan clubs, someone argue the two biggest clubs in the world, I would argue at the very least, the biggest club in the world um, that reside in La Liga. And so it's always interesting to see what's going on there. Um, so starting with Madrid... They had a a fantastic game against Napoli uh, last week uh, in the Champions League. Um, great game, great game. Uh, very open. Napoli brought the the Napoli of last season into the game. They played very well. They did start with a they opened up the story the scoring through Ostergaard with a header from a corner. Um, and <laughs> Jude Bellingham. Jeez. Okay, hold on. This this is something I wrote down in my notes in terms of the best player on earth right now and i'm not i'm not trying to be uh, dramatic or anything at all the best player on the planet right now this season so far has got to be jude bellingham i don't i don't think there's anyone else who is playing at the level that he's playing at he's gone to madrid as a 20 year old from dortmund Dortmund didn't win anything while he was there and he walks into this Madrid team that has won everything. Luka Modric has won the Champions League five times. Um, Tony Kroos as well. Champions League five times. These guys have have achieved incredible success. Even Vinicius Jr., even Rodrigo, um, all of these guys were part of the Champions League winning team from two seasons ago. And He walks into this team and he becomes the main man from day one. From the moment he steps on the pitch, he's the fucking guy. It's ridiculous. It's actually quite incredible to see. He looks as though he is a duck to water. It's like the most seamless fitting in. He, He just slotted in like a glove as though he was... He had been at Madrid for 15 years at this point. He he looks more comfortable in that jersey, about as comfortable as Luka Modric at this point. He's absolutely killing it. His numbers are ridiculous. In 10 games through the league and Champions League, he scored 10 goals and had three assists. In this game against Napoli, he single-handedly turns the tide. Uh, he... he dribbles through the entire defense uh uh, no pardon he first things first he wins the ball back in the attacking third napoli were pretty much on top of the game at this point he wins the ball back he lays it off perfect weighted pass into Vinicius jr's path Vinicius being the the absolute beast of a left winger that he is he scores one one uh not not maybe 10-15 minutes later bearing in mind this is up against a Napoli team yes they aren't as good as they were last season however playing in Naples is a very very difficult proposition I'm pretty sure Klopp has played in Naples a couple of times and we've got our asses kicked a couple of times this this is not an easy place to go the stadio Diego Maradona is 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 not to be taken lightly it's not like it's fucking I don't know a a trip to Bournemouth or some shit this is ridiculous um and he goes into this obviously hostile atmosphere with the ultras bellowing out to the champions of Italy at this moment and he essentially walks through the Napoli defense um this is one of those goals where is there even an assist because he picks the ball up Way out. He dribbles past like three or four players. He sorts his feet out and he slots the ball into the far corner. 2-1 to Real Madrid. Jude Bellingham, and he does his 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 celebration. Wow, what a player. What a... Wow. Uh, I must admit, before last season, I had never watched him play. And so I questioned, hey, is he really with the hype? Is he really that guy? Last season I watched him and I thought, wow, he could be one of the best midfielders in Europe right now. Watching him in this game, I've watched him in a couple other games for Madrid, um, and he... The entire creative uh not the entire creative burden, but he plays in a free role at the moment. Carlo Ancelotti uh, has a bit of a diamond midfield where he has three midfielders, Jude Bellingham can do whatever he wants. And then he has two up top with Vinicius and Rodrigo. And in this role, because I thought, okay, this guy he's a to box number eight, and he can do that at a world class level. He could probably play as a six, maybe as a world, I don't know if he could play at a world-class level, but I didn't see him playing this kind of free role where he can do whatever he wants, get forward, get into dangerous goal-scoring positions. I said he'll probably get 15 goals, 15 assists this season. At the moment, he could, if he continues like this, he could get 25 goals, and 10-15 assists and that's, for me, that's Ballon d'Or worthy, especially if Real Madrid have a deep run in the Champions League, potentially, I mean, Madrid in Europe with a guy playing this well? Ridiculous. Um PSG's not doing too great with uh Kylian Mbappe there. I, he would probably be my natural number pick for best player in the world at the moment, but Jude Bellingham is he could be a fu- future Ballon d'Or at this rate. I said that the next titanic clash in in the El Clasico story would be Jude Bellingham versus Pe- uh, Pedri pedri i believe he's injured at the moment and if he can't sort that out it's going to be a problem because jude bellingham is a force of nature right now Uh, i did say i don't know where the goals are going to come apparently from their new number eight who's actually a 10 who can do whatever the fuck he wants on the pitch just phenomenal stuff at the moment in la liga um madrid are top uh, and yes, yes, I know, I know. The table doesn't matter that much at this at this point in time. There's only been nine games. They have essentially, they've only gone what twenty less than twenty five percent of the season so far. So, uh, the you always take this with with uh, a heavy, heavy pinch <laughs> of salt. However, Madrid are going to be up there, there and thereabouts if if they can continue to find goals, because that's my biggest concern for them. At the moment, Barca are three points off them. Barca have dropped points in a couple of games that you wouldn't expect them to last season. They didn't drop those kinds of points. They are also conceding, whereas last year year they had this ridiculous defensive record. um, Wild stuff. Just to to round it back off, uh, so Madrid did end up winning that game um, 3-2. Against napoli um courtesy pretty much of jude Beningham um Murray had an on goal very unfortunate um hit off off the back of him and into the net to give Madrid the win they all uh, napoli also had a penalty um through Zielinski to make it two two at that point in time uh napoli yeah kind of moving away from from the la liga story, Barca not as good as They were last season. They started on fire last season. They didn't concede at all for most of the season. Not as good. However, um, I do expect, especially if Pedri can get back and, like, get some games in, he'll be fine. Lewandowski as well. They've been uh, relying quite a bit on this young lad. uh, Yamal, uh, 16 years old, I believe he's the youngest goal scorer for... Uh, either for Barca or for La Liga in general, something like that. He's a really young kid. He looks like a kid. Um, he looks like he should be playing FIFA, but he's he's out there playing at the fucking camp now. It's quite incredible. Um, they rely on him quite a bit, so it's, it's not all the way harmonious over there in, in uh, Barca, but... Well, they'll be there and there and thereabouts i didn't expect them to win the league last year they won it at a canter so we'll see what happens with that of course it's going to be those two in at the moment Girona are sandwiched between them they're obviously going to fall off but i should catch a Girona game or two in the near future um moving on to napoli who madrid did defeat uh they're just not as good this year. They they lost this game. Uh I covered the Lazio game that they lost as well. They're just simply put, they're just not as good this year. They're not playing with the same intensity. They're not overwhelming teams the way they did last season. Um and at the moment it's the Milan clubs running the show. Um I did say especially after the Milan derby that Inter are probably going to run away with things, potentially just curb stomp the rest of syria that hasn't been the case they've dropped points to Sassuolo. however sasolo beats juve and inter back to back so they they might just be one of those big bogey teams um kind of like a brighton um so i do need to catch a Sassuolo game at some point however milan did recover very well from their absolute shellacking in the milan derby um Inter tore them to shreds and yet they came back. They've won every single game since then. So that's that's a really, really good response. Um Pulisic is in amongst the goals, so things are going well over there. Um for Inter, they've dropped some silly points. Like I said, they drew at home uh before the international breaks, but they're they're right at, right amongst it. I think the big story Um, maybe not the big story, but the more interesting one is Juventus. Juve have no Europe to contend with. However, they have a. uh, I wouldn't say that that I would trust that team to go the distance, to have the consistency. Even though they had great form at the end of last season, they were winning games, conceding very few goals towards the end of last season. So they've kind of carried it over. However, they did fall prey to Sassolo as well. Um, And it's it's going to be interesting to see how they, or if they can keep up with the Milan clubs uh, and Napoli are probably going to overtake them as well at some point. I do expect them to click sooner rather than later um, because they're going to have to get over the fact that they lost at home in the Champions League that you can never lose at home. In the Champions League it's the worst thing ever you could lose away but you can't lose at home um that's just the way European football works if you lose at home in European football you're in for trouble you it's just problems uh so yes that's the current state in Syria Milan top the table Inter and in Juventus only eight games in so I'm not uh, The table doesn't really matter that much. The only really significant thing to point out is that Milan are seven points clear of Napoli at the moment. So Napoli have a bit of catching up to do very early. They have the quality. um, he didn't have too many great opportunities against Madrid, but he's back in and amongst it. It seems that he's put that weird meme TikTok situation behind him uh all, all it's all good and he's back to focusing on what his job is and his job is to win trophies for napoli so that's that's the situation over there in the peninsula um on to the really big statement there was a big big statement game in europe last week and it was at saint james park up against PSG Paris Saint-Germain, the the team that bullies uh that bullies out of France pretty much relentlessly. Uh they did take a couple seasons off, but since since the KSI or QSI or whatever, those people, those Qatari guys took over, they've they've ran the show in France like kinda like Leon back in the early in the early to mid two thousands. Um However, they go over to St. James's Park. St. James's Park, Newcastle are hosting their first Champions League game in 20 years. 20 years. And St. James's Park was fucking bouncing, as you would expect. Listen, they get up on a random Saturday against Manchester City or United or Arsenal or whoever. Um, That's just the Geordies, that's how they do. And so, imagining on a Wednesday night up against PSG, the champions of France, with many would call the best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe. The kid who scored a hat-trick in the World Cup final up against Messi's Argentina. Unfortunately, he lost but he is a superstar destined for greatness. He's already a legend. He's won so many titles in France. He's won France the World Cup at 18 years old or 19 years old or however old he was. This kid is a is he rocks up to St. James's Park and I must admit I really expected PSG to do a lot better. However, they played with, with essentially a 4-2-4 four, and Newcastle, if you're a Premier League fan, you know, and you watched a lot of them last year, they have one of the best midfields in the Premier League. Bruno, Gim- Bruno Guimaraes, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Ellington and Sandra Tonali. Solid, very well balanced, very, very good midfield. And they, you know, I don't believe, um, I don't think Joe Ellington started. I believe it was uh, Longstaff. And they will grind. And uh, Luis Enrique going into this game, I don't think he I don't think he respected that midfield. And I believe that's where they lost this game. Because if if you lose the midfield battle, you often lose the game. It's very rare that if you lose a midfield battle so comprehensively that you win the game. PSG had in there um, it was Ugart, who's a new kid from Sporting. He's about twenty-two, twenty-three years old. Um, on his second game in Europe for PSG, and uh, Zaire Emery, who's a kid, who's literally about sixteen years old, seventeen years old. So you're playing with those two up against the physicality as well as technical and tactical know-how. Of that PSG three man midfield, they were in for a world of hurt. Um, uh, I remember just seeing the the team sheet before the game started. Zaire Emery, I was like, if oh that 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 could be a big problem for PSG, especially since Mbappe doesn't track back, and they started with um, Ramos, uh, as well as Kolomwani and Usman Dembele that that screams defensive instability and newcastle essentially dominated this game they they wiped the floor with psg it, it was quite interesting um they pressed them high as well and so they they forced them they gave them a lot of issues playing out from the back and this is where psg this is where newcastle win this game uh I mean, the very first goal, Marquinhos, and this is an early goal as well. Marquinhos makes a, a mistake playing out from the back. Isak makes a shot; it was saved. However, Am um steps forward to get the rebound. One 0 to Newcastle. St James's Park is is losing it. If they had a roof, it would have come off the place. And, jeez, oh PSG, you're down early. In probably the most boisterous, uh, invigorating atmosphere that that Newcastle that would probably be be created in England in that moment, because even Anfield, even PSG rocking up to Anfield, Anfield has hosted a lot of Champions League games in the twenty years that uh, Newcastle haven't been in it. So that St James Park was was rocking, and once they get on top of you newcastle are, are ahead in the game oh my goodness gracious me um and psg you could kind of feel it they they play quite sloppily they i mean they were just overall really really bad just plain and simple they couldn't pass out from the back they were losing 50 50s they they were just poor in general i mean there was a scramble in their box. There are a couple of shots and a couple of saves. Bruno Gimerish, uh gets the ball to Dan Byrne, 2-0. At this point, St. James' Park is losing it. They're in raptures, and there was just nothing PSG could do. Uh, Mbappe had not nothing in the game. I think he had two shots in the 89th minute or some shit. Those were his only shots. Um, they brought off Muani early. It was a mess. Uh, There was a simple pass to Longstaff who hit a low drive um, that snuck under Donnarumma for 3-0, and the game's done. The game was done. Uh, Yeah. Um, PSG did get a a consolation goal, but Fabian Schar hit a a peach from outside of the box to really just seal the deal 4-1 to Newcastle. And boom, PSG just just got absolutely humbled. And after two games, having gone to the San Siro and hosted PSG, Newcastle have four points in that group. That is about as good as you could possibly get, mm. honestly. And Milan, I know they've done well. They're doing well in Serie A. They've only lost one game. They've won seven of their eight. They're gonna have a very tough time going to St. James's Park and the same with Dortmund. And at this point, I could see Newcastle making it out of the group with about twelve or so points. That's a great return. And if they can make it out the group and then you never know what could happen. A really tough tough start to the season for PSG, but hey, I have no sympathy for them. Newcastle have started to turn things around in the Premier League as well, climbing up the table, getting a few good wins. They did um, go into the international break with a draw up against Aston Villa, I believe, 2-2. It was either Villa or West Ham, one of those two, Um, but it was 2-2. And they're starting to find themselves. They're starting to get used to the Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, so on and so forth. Um, well, you would assume. We'll see what happens. We'll see as the season drags on. This is only the first little bit of European action. They do still have four more games, so we'll see. However, things are going well for them. It didn't go too well for other English teams. Um, in, in this uh, European round of fixtures that we had United wow we and I'll I'll get more into them on the next episode as I kind of round up what's been happening in England um, and a lot's been happening in England United had an awful game awful awful game they were up they were up and Galatasaray at Old Trafford beats them 3-2 at Old Trafford oh my goodness uh, now this is Galatasaray's first ever win, I believe, in England on English soil in their entire history, which is quite something. Um, United were up in this game, uh, and I've been talking about them for weeks. They've started the season with a, a real hectic cloud of negativity and all this sort of stuff. It, it's been it's been a really rough ride for them so far. Um, I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, of course but yeah they they took a that's a humbling experience especially since they had lost i believe at home in the game before this uh to palace to uh yeah to palace it's just wow they lost to brighton recently as well at home uh bayern munich kind of kind of I won't say kick their teeth in, but beat them as well. It's been a really, really rough road for United so far. However, there is a little bit of glimmer of hope. I will get into that into into that on the next episode. I'm um, moving on to another kind of shock, um, result in Europe when English team uh, Arsenal lost at Lens, 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 Lens. It says Lens, uh, RC Lens, whatever. Um in france i remember speaking about the champions league group um with a good arsenal supporting buddy of mine and he was like yeah the sneaky one the dark horse the 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 potential banana skin the bogey team in that group is lens and they came through hey they beat them they pressed them extremely well um, Arsenal lost this game 2-1 over in France. Terrible, um, you would say, terrible uh, reparation for what would be a really, really, really massive game at the Emirates up against Manchester City. More on that in the next episode. Um, but Arsenal, uh, they'll be fine. They'll be completely fine. Um, big teams, teams that finish top of the, their group's lose games away pretty often as long as they don't lose a home game they'll be fine they'll be completely fine I'm not worried about Arsenal at all I'm actually not worried about United in this group either unless they have a poor performance away in Turkey because if Galatasaray can handle their business in the other games and maybe not get torn to shreds by Bayern then United might have something to worry about but they should be okay. Um, they should they should be okay. But hey, this, the seasons united geez. Um, and ending it on a positive note, Liverpool we did. And yes, for fuck's sake, I know it's the Europa League, blah blah blah, but we did have a good win against uh, Union Saint I don't know what that what that G stands for, but USG, um, from I believe Belgium. Uh yeah, we won 2-0. Uh, Jota scored at the end. Graham Birch got his very first Liverpool call. Um, good results for us. Uh no injuries, no nothing like that, no problems. We just got the win, kept it moving. That's two and two. Um also it was good to have that Spurs fucking oh jeez, that Spurs result washed away by a nice simple 2-0 win, no fuss, no no issues, no nothing. Um in Europe, There there's a really good win to get and onwards we move. Um and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, days and dams, that concludes the roundup of european action of spain of syria with it in italy um yeah and newcastle as well they they're <laughs> they took psg to the cleaners that's quite something and the i don't i don't think it's outrageous at all but jude bellingham is probably the best player in the world right now um <laughs> yeah, that's quite that's quite something. Uh, I no, I don't think anyone would expect would have expected him to be that good. Would he have been as good for Liverpool? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he would have had the freedom to play the way that he plays for Madrid, and therefore the goal scoring burden wouldn't have fallen on him. But he would have made Salah's life a lot easier. Darwin's life, he would have been f- fantastic. Don't get me wrong. However, if he was the only player we could have gotten and we had to stick with Fabinho and Henderson, uh, I don't think I don't think we're as good. I don't think we're as good, to be honest, Um, because Real Madrid have a world-class midfield right there. I mean, there's Valverde, Kamavinga, and Chirmini who play in that three behind him. That's as solid and as technically sound as you can possibly get. That's the perfect midfield to play behind a roaming number 10 who can do whatever they want with Vinicius and Rodrigo um, mm-hmm. running riot. So, as much as I really wanted Benninger to come to Liverpool, Saberslai has been fantastic. He's been phenomenal. Uh, I didn't expect him to be this good um, this quickly at all. So... Obviously, Jude Bellingham, in my opinion, is the best player in the world right now, and I do think he's a better player than Sommerslie. No questions about it. I still like the business that we did because we were able to get McAllister and we were able to get Endo, who hasn't he hasn't started too much. He hasn't played too much. Um, in the Premier League, he does uh, he does get European games, and I believe he started in the League Cup as well as grabbing bird shoes who looked really good in the game that i will discuss on the next episode and on that note ladies and gentlemen days and dems uh, i hope you have a magnificent day whenever this podcast reaches your ears and take care